The Young Jerks are sponsored by UFCW 1445, a labor union representing cannabis employees in Massachusetts. Currently, UFCW is holding a union election at NETA New England Treatment Access in Brookline, as well as at Mayflower. If you are a cannabis employee worried about your health and safety and are not being heard at work, call the union at UFCW local 1445.org or call them at 1-800-439-1445. Welcome. We're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. I'm here with uh, my my dude, Grant Smith. What's up, Grant? Good evening. Hello and welcome, everyone. How you doing, Mike? We are busy. We have busy boys, you and I. A lot going yeah. on. I mean, should we, 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 we don't even know where to start today because we have a lot to get to. We're kind of uh, pushing back on the pushback. <laughs> A little, uh, cons we're going to separate the real conspiracies in cannabis from the fake BS conspiracy theories with no factual, that yeah, with no facts behind them, right? Well, certainly separating out the quest for the truth from the quest to veil the interests of corporate and financial, uh, forces behind, uh, fake concerns about things that matter so much to the grassroots community and parsing the difference between those two and actually finding out where the truth lies is the goal of responsible journalism. So that's right. We have a lot to talk about, but uh, before we get there, we should kind of just give a couple shouts out on what's you know going on around the show in terms of upcoming shows this week, uh, the ad that we just heard, the sponsorship we just landed. Lots of news activity. When when I say we're busy, people don't get it. We we are like I I was begging you to do the show tonight because I know like we need to respond tonight. Like this has to be a response tonight, not on social media, on you know talking to the people. We're we're talking to the people about some things that are happening in the in the cannabis community. We're getting the messages. Uh, we're seeing some stuff, and we want to respond to it. But before that, we've got to celebrate about some of our victories lately, right? So what, first of all, Friday night, we have a special show, a huge show. Uh, it's going to be about race and cannabis and the industry and the community with some great people on there. Uh, we've already announced some of them. Uh, there'll be some more expected. We're hoping to have a couple candidates for office in that as well. Uh, we're going to have some great people on there. I know Goldie Piff is confirmed. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to forget some names and screw up some names. Eric Martin uh, is apparently confirmed as well. We have a number of uh, people of color or leaders in Massachusetts uh, who are going to be speaking about race and the industry and cannabis on Friday evening with us at 730. We're doing a special forum, which I'm going to be hosting. I'm really excited about. Uh, it's going to be a great, great uh, evening, great conversation. We're going to this is kind of maybe the preview of that show tonight, touching on some of those topics. We're really going to get into it. Tonight is really Grant and I on our soapbox, uh, you know, responding to some of the things we see. And Friday night is the community, which we're all about. It's, it's less about me, the host. I'm just going to kind of ask the questions and direct the conversation uh, to, to different individuals on that panel. But it's really going to be about them on Friday night and hear about what they think 
about race and big cannabis and some of the things we're covering and some of the things we haven't covered yet. There's a lot to cover there, obviously. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm very excited about that on Friday night. And you just told me something before we we're going live about maybe another show. I don't even know if you can announce it yet. You, uh, I think oh. you're excited to announce it, right? Yes. Oh, I, I can certainly announce this one. I do not have a uh, specific time yet, but I can let folks know on Saturday. So Mike's show will be on so uh, Friday at 730. Special uh, episode, then, Young Jerks. And on Saturday, another episode of The Young Jerks, right? And this time uh, I will be interviewing Commissioner Shaleen Title, welcoming her back for her third appearance on The Young Jerks. The first one she did with you at uh, uh, the brewing company. I remember that one. The second one she did uh, with me and Representative China Tyler a few months ago. And now I'll have her on for an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview. That should I, be a lot of fun. I think you're missing on one, though. I think oh, uh, there, I? there was, yeah, there was definitely one before that. At, at, uh, I, I know specifically where it was, to the Brighton location. Remember that location? Oh, I do. Yep. So I think Warren Lynch was there for that one. I can't quite remember. Huh. But I'm pretty sure this is her fourth. That's what I think it is. I think it's her fourth time coming on. Maybe maybe fifth. I'm, you know, it, I, I'm sure we've, again, like, uh, it depends on what you mean by an appearance, too. Because, like, you know, I interviewed her on the street in Haverhill. There's been a bunch of those times, I'm sure, where, you know, we've done uh, remote little podcasts and things like that. And she's been on those as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the big time interviews, though, where you sit down for an hour, I would say this is probably her fourth. But may, it could be more. But close. But uh, it's awesome to have her back on again, definitely. Yeah, certainly a voice that we not only always love to have on the show, but a voice that I do not think could be more informed uh, if, if she tried. Uh, I like to think that myself and yourself, Mike, we pay a lot of attention to the industry, the regulations, the law, and the interplay between those forces in the community. Uh, it is very hard for someone to be more knowledgeable than yourself. And uh, I have to say that all of our commissioners, uh, in particular Commissioner Title, take their responsibility and their job so seriously that they are some of the most informed people about cannabis. Not necessarily the plant, which we're working on, but the regulations and the rules related to cannabis. They know it inside and out, and they know the changes the community is asking for in some regards, and that's a positive. And that's one of the reasons why I think both of us wanted to do this special episode tonight, uh, which we're going to get into. It's, it's, some of this is about definitely Shaleen Title and defending her. I, I, can we, I, I, do we both agree on that in terms of well, what I, we're doing tonight on this episode? I think as a baseline, anyone who is victimized by being called racial slurs deserves to be protected. And, and we're going to... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm interrupted a lot because I am excited tonight because I feel like, uh, oh man, we're, we got so much to cover. Go ahead. Sorry, Grant. No, just I, I, I can tell it's exciting and uh, it's more than just exciting. It's this topic that, dri that drives passion because racial slurs should never be used. Ab absolutely never, under no circumstances, is it ever acceptable to direct a racial slur at someone and in particular, it's unacceptable to direct a racial slur at someone in the context of a cannabis policy discussion as a form of weaponized invective to emotionally hurt them. That's disgusting. And, and I saw her call yeah. the racial slur twice, and it yep. disgusts me. I've never seen you so fired up. I love this face. Oh, my God, Grant. I love it. This is what I get at why I'm excited, because I know how fired up you are tonight about this, because usually it's me being the the angry guy <laughs> and I'm just laughing because I just know when the community really knows what's going on 
they already kind of know. Like most people already know. Most people aren't even commenting on this stuff. It's like, don't even give these guys anything. Don't even give them a comment. I think that that's the way most of the community has kind of dealt with this, but uh, we're, we're, we've already touched on some of the things. We're going to definitely get into this deeply, but uh, before we do that, I want to mention as well about some of the things that are going on in this show before we really dive into the Shaleen title and the, the racial slur that you just mentioned. But I want to make sure that I, I concur 100% with Grant. When you do that against a woman of color, when you do it against Shaleen too, she doesn't, just, out of all the people... <laughs> So, again, the news uh, that I want to mention, too, is that uh, UFCW Local 1445.org is now an official sponsor of the Young Jerks program. Uh, we do take on sponsorships from time to time. Um, unlike some other folks that we may talk about tonight, we're 100% transparent about it. We have a record of that, of discussing and proclaiming whoever gives us money. Like, we're, we're not hiding anything uh, we also don't change our content ever for money. And anyone that sponsors our show knows that. If they don't, we make them aware of that right before they uh, sign a check. Because uh, we're 100% committed to that. Um, some of these opponents are already attacking us about money we've taken in the past or haven't taken. Some of their facts are already incorrect. They're asking me for comment on that. I'm not even going to comment to them on that. Everything's going to come through the show at this point uh, with these guys because I'm just done. Uh, but again, we're, we're happy that we are sponsored by UFCW Local 1445.org. They are organizing right now at New England Treatment Access. Uh, New England Treatment Access had a fire the other day. We heard that uh, they didn't report it to the fire department. We've gotten confirmation of that. They, they claim that they did report it to the fire department. A lot of problems at New England Treatment Access. And there's a union election upcoming. It, uh, the union ballots should have gone out actually yesterday. So they're going to be going out in the mail to New England Treatment Access employees. So we're asking all New England Treatment Access employees at the Brookline location to vote yes on the union. And we're really happy to be supported by UFCW Local 1445.org. If you want to find out more information about them, if you're at a dispensary, you're an employee, you're not being treated well, wage staff, you're worried about your health and safety, management isn't hearing your concerns contact the union. You don't have to, you don't have to suffer at your job. You can do a lot better, especially Massachusetts with UFCW 1445. Check them out. UFC local 1445.org is the website. So we're really excited about that sponsorship and also excited about who recorded the commercial, the audio commercial that you heard, which was, I tried to do it. It was terrible. Uh, Kamalita stepped up. The legendary Kamalita recorded a audio uh, commercial for us, which I'm really excited about. So lots of things happening uh, around the program, right, Grant? Yep, a lot of fun things happening. Folks may also know that I've been enjoying myself with this new look that we have with our fun backgrounds and uh, indulging a little bit in the pleasure I get from that before we dive into the serious subjects. Uh, if folks do have any feedback on the look of the show and the feel, please don't hesitate to send it along. We're always welcome. Uh, we always welcome your constructive feedback. And as Mike said, a lot of positive going on with the show. And did you uh, notice? Speaking of background, Grant, did you notice my new background tonight? That's a good segue. I got a I, I, couple pieces of art up from the past uh, from our 2016 campaign that uh, M Michael Malta and myself started. 
in 2013, we wanted to legalize cannabis. We knew it was going to happen. Uh, we started the campaign, Mike Ken and the King of Pot 2016. And we, you know, people started making campaign signs for us at the Freedom Rally. And people were asking us, like, what's that all about? It's about legalizing cannabis in 2016. It's going to happen. And are you part of the campaign? It's a way to get the word out. And uh, it definitely did work. Unfortunately, we never got on the ballot. And we had to kill the campaign when Michael passed because he was my partner uh, later that year. But that sign still remains. Uh, it ended up on his T-shirt, his memorial T-shirt that uh, a lot of his friends uh, put together uh, after he passed. And uh, so that's a sign that always comes out. It's always, we needed to block the light tonight. And I was like, here's two little signs from the past. I got Michael Malta's sign up. And then I also have uh, one of the signs from when Caroline was getting harassed from opening in Haverhill, Massachusetts from a protest. It says, stop harassing women. Again, stop harassing women. And that's kind of, uh, I guess, where we're kicking off tonight, maybe. I don't know. What do you think, Grant? Well, I think that might be the insight, which is that policy discussion is what legitimate representative democracy is all about. We're supposed to come into the public arena, find an overlapping consensus among our disparate comprehensive views, and then use that as a basis to develop cogent public policy that protects the integrity of our, for example, cannabis industry, and does so in a way that engenders equitable opportunities for those who were most harmed by the drug war. And to see what I've seen over the past few months, this campaign of vile slurs and attacks directed at someone who's done nothing but dedicate her life to the public good over the past two or three years, it disgusts me. Very few things fundamentally disgust me as a human being. I try to be very tolerant of every different perspective. I have no tolerance for that. Zero. Now, there's a lot of that people may not be aware of that are listening. So we have to kind of give some background, Grant, a little bit. Um, basically, there's been a lot of crap going on lately. Um, we're getting some pushback directly, uh, but especially Shaleen Title. And uh, as well as Dan Adams from the Boston Globe. Uh, and what we're seeing and what we know is a couple of characters uh, that we know, uh, and they've actually been on the show in the past. One of them used to be actually kind of part of the show. Um, and they are men of color. They're black guys. And they definitely have their interest. And, in, you know, I'm cool with them as, you know, generally as people. But when they start doing this crap, and it's being, you know, basically what it is, is they're putting out stuff that's not true. And it's misleading. And there's no documentation. There's no backup. There's no evidence. And other parties that, you know, it, it seems like it's very connected to big cannabis. It's all people that have connections to big cannabis who are big cannabis supporters. There's a show that we went on uh, that, came, that came on our show, uh, the Super Lemon uh, Haze podcast. And they are super friendly with revolutionary, revolutionary clinics. Can I ask and, a question about that, Mike? Yes, go ahead. Wasn't, the, wasn't that the episode, I, I kind of remember it about a month or two ago, so much has been going on, but wasn't that the episode where we had them on and they actually had to, what was it, ask revolutionary clinics for permission before they could post a show or something there you go. like that? So there you go. So, so, you know, basically it started out, I went on their show. I uh, seemed like good guys. They were on the uh, Kirk Midahane channel. Or, or, you know, overlooked that, get past that. But, uh, you know, they seemed like good guys who were interested in the cannabis industry and what was going on. 
And then next thing you know, they have revolutionary clinics. You know, one of the, the top guys on there, they're promoting the show. They're going to ask tough questions. Uh, they tape record the interview. Uh, they post it for like 10 minutes and then take it down. And it was never to be seen before, be seen. I never saw the episode. Most of us never saw the episode. And then they kind of wanted to come on our show and explain it to everyone, which was kind of weird. And they wouldn't really tell us what was, you know, up, up front. And then they came on our show and we kind of, we made it okay for them, I guess, to do that uh, with the community, a lot of the community anyways. Um, but then they had uh, the other gentleman, Keith Cooper, on the show from Revolutionary Clinics. And they basically softballed them. You know, they didn't ask any of the tough questions. They didn't ask about, uh, hey, how come you guys used to uh, want to throw people in jail just a year ago? You know what I'm saying? Like, you actually tell us about the bill that Revolutionary Clinics was backing. Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask, you know, my kind of what I see here is a rising cacophony of anger directed at the people like yourself, Shaleen and others who are. And Dan Adams and yourself and yourself, like basically the four of us, because we're actually fighting against big cannabis and big cannabis doesn't like it. It's pretty obvious what's going on to me. And I think anyone that's paying attention, we're just going to try to go through some of the details tonight because there's a lot of details to this. Well, and it goes back to, um, well, it really goes back farther than this, but the real sort of rising tide started in the spring, summer of 2019 in Cambridge. And the people who follow this show very, very closely will uh, very much know about what happened in Cambridge. Uh, there's a situation in Cambridge where the city wanted to have an equity-only priority period for licensing cannabis stores on the local level. Uh, they just wanted to allow economic empowerment applicants for two years to get local licensing. But these RMDs, uh, Healthy Farms, uh, Sierra Natural, which is owned by an MSO, and Revolutionary Clinics, which is owned by a consortium, uh, including some wealthy real estate interests from Andover, uh, these three companies felt that they were entitled to take part in the equity priority period. And when the city pushed back and said no, they tried to buy their way in by giving a small amount of funds to four or five uh, different economic empowerment applicants looking to open in Cambridge. And those funds, they were touting how much money it was, were not even fully in the form of monetary assistance. It was in the form of things like shelf agreements and management contracts where the, um, the form of the assistance would be an agreement to purchase product from the dispensary. So that and that um, their attempt to get into the priority period ended up failing, as folks know, because they misrepresented to the city council in a September 5th, 2019 letter that the Central Square Business Improvement District would oversee the distribution of their funds only for three days later for the Central Square Business Improvement District to send a letter to the city council saying that not only was there no legally binding contract in force with them to distribute the funds, they hadn't even moved beyond preliminary discussions. So that proposal alone, them being allowed in by paying money, was rejected. Then, wait, wait, was- let's stop right there because I think this is really important. Because mm-hmm. what you're seeing right now is a concerted effort to blame revolutionary clinic problems on Shalene, on Dan Adams, on me, on you. They listen to that. These guys are idiots. If you're in front of the city council, that you're doing business, that you're trying to pull $25 million, $50 million a year from a project, and you lie to them. Misrepresentation is a lie. They didn't tell the truth, and they got caught with their pants down. They told the, they told the misstatement. 
their own supporters on the city council. That's when they were done with their own people on the city council that they had given money to, people that were championing them. That's when all this other bad stuff happened. Those people still stood with them. That was the final straw. Right, Grant? Yep. And then. And so whose fault is that? Is that Shalene's fault? Is that Joe Gilmore's fault at MRCC? Is that Grant Smith's fault? Is that. No, that, that's revolutionary clinics to being a bunch of morons, idiots, dummies, bad business people, shady. Go ahead, Grant. Well, no, and, and it, ideologically, it doesn't even make sense because they argue, they, they, and just to give some context here, because after they weren't allowed into the priority period, you know what they did? They sued the city of Cambridge to try to undermine the nation's first priority in licensing on the local level for economic empowerment applicants in the cannabis industry. Why? Because they were not going to be allowed in for two years. And you know what? The law they cited, which is 94G section 3, subsection I, subsection 1, says that local cities and towns can't prevent medical dispensaries from co-locating as adult use stores. But it doesn't say anything about the ability of local cities and towns to delay those medical stores from co-locating as adult use stores for the purposes of equity priority periods. So their legal argument, in my opinion, is fundamentally faulty, but they have the gall to say that they are entitled to it to the point where they're going to sue the city council. That part. Now, mind you, as of April 24th, due to a ruling from the single justice of the appeals court, the priority period in Cambridge is in effect. So that priority period that's just for economic empowerment applicants is right now in effect. And they're upset about that because of what we're talking about. And they should be upset by themselves because the city council, I'm not sure they would have passed that. I think that the city council of Cambridge would have gone with that fund if Rev Clinics wasn't caught being dishonest in public. You know, like it seemed like there was going to be a compromise. Am I correct? Do you remember that? We were all talking about it. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do the compromise or hold out for the two years? As soon as Rev Clinics told an untruth to the city council, it wasn't decided by the activists. It wasn't decided by Joe Gilmore. It wasn't decided by me. It wasn't decided by Shaleen. It wasn't decided even by city councilor Quinton. It was decided by the rest of the city council who said, you know what? No, it, we're doing the two years now. They, they weren't honest. And why is Rev and Sira and probably a lot of other medical dispensaries so terrified? Because they know if Cambridge sets the tone and sets in place a law that creates an exclusive priority period for social equity and economic empowerment uh, applicants on the local level that excludes medical dispensaries, other cities and towns around the Commonwealth might want to do that. And you know what? That betrays the real intent, in my opinion, behind trying to make that fund, behind trying to sue the city of Cambridge, they don't want the precedent set that other cities and towns can do what we all know they have to do right now, which is take a deliberate approach to ensuring that local level equity priority is similar to what's given on the state. Because there's a two-track application process to get licensed as a cannabis business in the Commonwealth. You need to get a local uh, host community agreement, like we're talking about, and you need to get licensed on the state level. The state level, because of folks like Shaleen Title and because of folks like Chanel Lindsay and others, has a mandate to have equity priority structures. Local cities and towns don't. 
And when they tried to have one, who was the first person standing up to try to stop it? These corporate medical dispensaries. Shame on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we have a situation where, so we're talking about revolutionary clinics right now. And basically what's happening is that we're seeing surrogates of revolutionary clinics through this, this show that we talked about the, uh, what's the name of that show again? The Silver Haze podcast? I have, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> this, this show on Kirk Minahan's channel. So that show and, and a couple of other guys, uh, you know, one of them who came and testified for revolutionary clinics uh, that we all know, Chief, and the other one is, uh, what is his name? MedMass, Mary. No, I, I, I don't know that person. You won't say his name. You, won't, you don't want to give him any play. But these guys have gone around, and, and especially the, the other dude, the, the latter guy, he has uh, gone around and posted a flyer up that basically makes it seem like Shalene is on the take. He's also the gentleman that called her a racial slur, put a video out several times actually, and has called her a racial slur. And I'll, I'll say it. I mean, am I going to get in trouble if I say that word? He I would prefer her, that we don't use the slur. We don't use it. Okay. It's about her racial. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't use it. I just wanted to make sure on that. Um, because I know people want to know exactly what he said, but it shouldn't even matter, right? I mean, it's a racial slur. You're going to look back on it. It's disgusting. Um, so he, he attacked her that way. He attacked her with lies. He has no proof. Uh, we've actually looked at, you know, basically the, the allegation they seem to be making with this flyer that they sent around is that she's on the take to these big corporations that she one time at one time contract, was a contractor for. Um, we've looked into her back, like into her background. I know for a fact, um, going back to the drafting of the legalization initiative, I kind of fell for this this hoax that they're pushing before anybody else, before these guys even came along, with a different group of grifters that were pushing it. And you know, I, I kind of put it online and and kind of made the jab and accusation of Shaleen, and she came back at me strong, like she should. And within a day or two, I was apologizing because I'm a journalist. You know, sometimes I'll get some information. I have a hunch and I'll put it out there to kind of get uh, people's feedback and hopefully get more information. And I got more information. I looked into it and it was a bunch of bunk, a bunch of BS. And basically, if you go back to the drafting of the legalization initiative, I know the, all the individuals that were there in that room. I know who ran that campaign. Uh, the person who ran it was named Rob Campia from Ma- Ma- Marijuana Policy Project, MPP. They are very kind of corporate cannabis. Um, but what they have to do, especially when they come to a place like Massachusetts, where there's grassroots activists like us, they have to reach out to the collective. They have to reach out to leaders like Shaleen and Chris Crane and others like Bill Downing. Chanel Dick, Lindsay. Chanel Lindsay, Dick Evans. So you can, these are some of our sources, you know. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I talked to Dick Evans. I talked to uh, Bill Downing. So you know these names. These are respected OG cannabis reformers that, are, like, like Grant and I, will not sell out for anything. They're not selling out. These guys are made men. They're not selling out. None of them. Or made women, in the case of Chanel. They're, they're, you know, you, and the reason we could say that is because we have examples that we can look to over and over again of them taking actions that actually hurt their own business for the benefit of the good, like uh, Chanel Lindsay. I mean, we, we know that they've done this stuff. We've seen it. And when I talk to them, 
you know, it was an, the, the, the initiative, the, the writing of the initiative was a MPP affair. They didn't want home grow. They didn't want the social justice, even from what I hear. But we fought for that. We got that in there. Now, so if, if you want to blame anything on what's wrong with the initiative, look at Rob Campy and MPP, you know, and then even go another step. That, that law that was actually originally written wasn't that terrible in some respects. And especially the fact that we got the home grow and especially the fact that we did get the social justice aspects. But even some of that law, it got changed by the state house after that. The governor and the speaker of the house who we staged a protest against about it, they rewrote the law and they made it a lot worse and they made it a lot harder to get a host community agreement. They basically outlawed cannabis in a lot of towns de facto by their rewrite. So there are a lot of players at hand in terms of why we got off to a late start and none of them were named Shalene title. And so we, I have that information, that history to look back on as proof, but let's go beyond that because Grant and I, like we always do, we're journalists. We want to know, you know, if, if there's something dirty on Shalene title, we're not going to hide it. We're going to, we're going to, we'll present it to the world because we're going to be, you know, upset that someone we, you know, have supported and loved is selling us out down the river. So you've got a document that you shared with me. Multiple and documents. And, and showed her recent disclosures to the state of Massachusetts about what she owns and what she doesn't own. Filed under pains and penalty of perjury. So meaning that if she's lying, she could go to jail. And we got those documents for 2018, 2019. There is no ownership listed of trusts, of stocks, of, of companies. dispensaries, nothing. You know what she nothing. owns? She owns a mortgage. And her husband works for a science lab. That was the only yeah. thing in her A non-cannabis science lab. He's, right. an, he's an egghead at uh, some, some, you know, higher ed science type company. Nonprofit, I believe, or whatever it is. But it's... It's un, totally unrelated. She has no conflict of interest, none. So you're accusing somebody who has basically has is as clean as a whistle of a bunch of shit, and you're airing it on your show. You're bringing those guests on, tagging them, laughing at the memes. Hmm. Why? And and let's look Why? at let's look at what Shalene has done. What has she done? She's created the social equity program. She's fought back constantly in public against operators like Acreage, Tilt, and other MSOs who try to undermine license limits through shady things like shadow contracts and otherwise. She's pushed back to create a delivery program that actually allows micro-businesses to vertically integrate and deliver their own product through retail directly rather than the proposal that the dispensaries wanted, much like medical, which would only allow them to deliver. So Shaleen's taking a stand time and time again against these interests. But you know what? What's really interesting is when you start asking these vested interests what they think about things like, for example, Cambridge's priority period. The next time you see someone asking Shaleen title, this is the question that you ask them. Do you support the ability of local cities and towns to have economic empowerment and social equity priority periods that exclude corporate medical dispensaries? I guarantee you. They will try to defend those corporate medical dispensaries when you ask them. And another question to ask them, who funds them? You know, they make a, a conspiracy theories against Shaleen Title that aren't true, that are not factual, no evidence, lies, misrepresentations, slander. But they won't answer who actually they have business associations with, who's funding them.
We got a taste of that actually on, on uh, the Silva Hayes podcast on his Twitter today. Or yes, keep saying the name of this podcast. I've never heard. You don't of it. like it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they I, we found out that uh, uh, Chief is maybe going to get a deal with Rev Clinics for his uh, his oil or whatever it is. That's a lot a lot of uh, business going on there, you know. And I don't, you know, I don't hate anybody that wants to do business, you know, that has you know their angle. But when you start being dishonest and lying about people and harassing people. Trying to bring back the best people in the community. Go ahead. Sorry. Trying to, and this segues into what you're talking about. These interests have shown time and time again, they don't care about the cannabis community or equity. They care about their bottom line because they have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. And let me tell you that I can't tell the full source, but I know for a fact that after Rev Clinics got called out on suing over what we just talked about in Cambridge because they felt that no city or town should be able to have priority periods that don't include medical dispensaries, their founder, one of their co-founders, sent out an internal letter. And a part of that letter, paraphrasing, apparently said that, of course, they sued because they promised the investors those profits, paraphrasing. Now, let's go to another thing, H4168. As folks who watch this show closely will know, back last spring, the Commonwealth Dispensary Association, which at the time, I believe Keith Cooper, the CEO of Rev Clinics, was involved with directly. Uh, David Teresi, who's the executive director, former state lawmaker. They worked with prohibitionist representative, Republican from Shrewsbury, Hannah Kane, to propose a task force bill, H4168, that would have brought the state police, the tax agencies, the Cannabis Control Commission, local police officers together to bring back drug war enforcement to protect the profits of regulated companies like the people who are in the CDA. You know why they did that? Because in reality, they don't care so much about prohibition. They care about using drug laws to facilitate their own profit. That is not the kind of interest that can come into the grassroots community and be honest. And that's why they have to hide behind these repugnant attacks. And they have to hide around their proxies. This is the new angle. So I, I want to talk more about that because now we're getting attacked. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, so basically a few months ago, I asked Keith Cooper about a sexual assault allegation. And not against him, but against a high level executive at Revolutionary Clinics. He denied it. It was a lie. And either, you know, and I'll say it's a lie and, and Maybe it's not a lie. Maybe he was being truthful, but the owner was lying to me because their statements contradicted. I talked to them both, one on tape, one not on tape, contradicting statements. Should we roll the video? Not yet. Okay. What I want to mention is uh, we, we are going to play that video, though, definitely. We're going to play that video so people can see. But wh why I'm bringing that up is that there were all these issues. You just mentioned one the huge red flag against revolutionary clinics. They supported locking people up recently. They supported that bill with Hannah Kane to restart the war on cannabis. And so you have two opportunities, Silver Hayes podcast, where you've had two gentlemen from revolutionary clinics come on and you didn't ask them either one about lock, trying to lock people up, lock people of color up. You're saying you you know, want to support people of color, you want to support Black Lives Matter, but just a year ago, you wanted to lock people up. You were pushing that bill. Didn't ask that question. So come to today, 
you know, recently when Keith Cooper came on the show, the host was like, hey, we, we asked a question uh, if he would come on your show. And he said he would. So, you know, we, we asked uh, the other owner who I ran into who had a private conversation if he would come on the show. Never heard back. The host of that Silver Haze podcast comes up and says, hey, I'll give you, I'll, I'll check with Keith Cooper and see if I can get him on your show. I'll, I'll get his contact info for you. He comes back. I predicted this would happen, that Keith Cooper would never come on our show, which we knew, right? We, we knew that right up front. He comes back with the response that Keith won't come on our, on our show because we're not fair to him, that we've been unfair to them, that we're not trustworthy or whatever, but that he'll do it on the Silver Haze podcast show. The show that had scrubbed an entire episode with Revolutionary Clinics. The show that hadn't asked them a tough question in two episodes that they had guests from Revolution. That I'm going to go on that show. That show that's been airing the conspiracy theorist against Shalene Title. I'm going to go on that show. No, I'm not going on that show. If Keith Cooper wants to have a discussion with us, a conversation, he needs to come on our show and do it directly. And do it live. And live. No ability for no him editing. to have any control over the content. And that's my question to him, Mr. Cooper. What are you afraid of? Oh, he's afraid of the show. He's afraid of this community. He's afraid of answering for the lies, the documented lies. Now, now keep in mind, I, I've been holding off on doing a, a big expose and story on them. I have a lot of documentation, as I've been hinting over the months. And all of this has gotten me just inching even more to do it. And even just to... You know, I've been waiting. A lot of times you wait for a story to be perfect, to get all the, because you, sometimes you have to wait for the voices to, to come to you, to speak to you. You know they're there. You know the story, but you can't get them quite on the record. And at this point, I think it's just time to drop everything we have because we have, I have so much information about that, that alleged sex assault. Let's start with there. I have uh, information from the person who actually was accused. I have all his messages and his messages don't look good. You know, he immediately t attacked the, the victim claimed that she was a criminal and keep in mind, she's a mother. She's a person of color. This is a person who's accusing him of sexual assault. Yeah. Oh my God. So he accused her. He turned around and accused her of crimes. And this is his, what was his former employee employee. So we, we have a lot to share on revolutionary clinics and it will definitely come out and I would not su be surprised to be sooner than later, you know, because we're getting this kind of pushback and it, it just proves that they haven't learned their lesson, you know? I don't even, I try my best to be objective and rational because I feel like that's the best way to ward off corporate subversion within the cannabis industry. But I do not know how to respond rationally to some of the things I've seen. If you and want to have a policy debate, come have a policy debate. Don't do what you've been doing. Right. We see, we know what you've been it's doing. It's fake. It's false. It's, it's fraudulent. It's disturbing. Seriously. Don't, don't just make up stuff. And then don't ask the questions. Like, why are you making up stuff? Like, what? You have, you have these other dude, these other you know, jokers on the show, and you don't ask, like, where's your evidence? What specifically did she do? Who funds you? 
Like the, those questions don't come up. Hard questions. Anyone wants to know who funds us? We're honest. UFCW fourteen forty five. That's who funds us right now. And we certainly do not. And we have you know, and I will say we we have taken dispensary money in the past. We're not above it. Uh, we have taken money from Verilife directly from this show. Uh, we have also taken money from uh, New England Cannabis Convention. Uh, we took money from Canacon. And this is an example of exactly what I'm talking about, where we don't change our content for a sponsor ever. We took money from Canacon. And, with, and, and basically, when their next festival came back, we discovered some crap about them. And instead of asking them to renew with us and give us another sponsorship and pay us more money, we blew them the F up. We said, we don't want your money. And not only that, we're going to tell you why we don't want it. So we're not about the money ever. We're just not. We're not doing this for money. You know? And, and, Take, we certain, yeah. and all the money that we make on the show, what do we do with it? We put it back into the show. Like, you know, I'm not uh, traveling on it. I'm not paying my mortgage. My bills are fine. You know, it's just whether uh, is the show going to cost me money or uh, is the audience going to chip in and maybe a couple sponsors and help us cover some of the cost and help us invest more into it. I mean, that's pretty much what our plan is. It's not uh, about getting rich off of dispensaries. And we would re I, I, I would not be involved if a sponsor could even control for one second the content of this program. And I would tell you, I would leave the program before right. I let a sponsor dictate what could be on this program. I don't want to do the show anymore if it's like that. I mean, what's the point? You know, all the fun's gone. We do this for fun. Like, honestly, it's fun to be real like this. It is. Because I don't have any agenda here. I'm a consumer. I care about patients. I care about workers. I care about consumers. I mean, I, and I care about these small business owners. We, we've featured so many of them. It's not even funny. And we're going to feature a lot more of them on Friday night, hopefully. And, and you know what it really reminds me of? The people who try to throw stones at people doing what is, in essence, you know, independent journalism and muckraking. Uh, Ida Tarbell was the first ever muckraker. When uh, investigative journalism started in the late 1800s, uh, it started in the McClure's magazine. And uh, the first real investigative journalist was a woman named Ida Tarbell and her she came to prominence and actually became the right-hand man right-hand woman of Teddy Roosevelt because of her expose on Standard Oil and John D Rockefeller and you know what what happened to Ida Tarbell was that Ida Tarbell grew up in an, what was called an independent oil town so back before big oil interest took everything over independent towns would center around independent oil wells. You'd strike oil, you'd build the town around it, you owned the town, you, the citizens owned the town, the bank, the post office, the oil well, it was all owned by the citizens. But what happened, Ida Tarbell's father owned one of those wells. What happened was Standard Oil started manipulating the shipping rates by getting into a monopoly contract with the railroads, which were themselves a public good, and they were able to drive all those independent oil towns out of business by forcing the railroads to charge them double the rate compared to the uh, companies in the Standard Oil monopoly. So when Ida Tarbell did her reporting on Standard Oil, what was the first thing that John D. Rockefeller said about her in private? Oh, she's just mad that I ruined her father's life. 
No. You know what she was mad about? That you undermine the integrity of the free market to destroy good people to further your profit in a disgustingly selfish reflection of why we break up trust to begin with. Yeah, and, and another thing everyone should look at in Massachusetts, but been brought up a few times, is that price fixed right now? It seems like it. Have you looked at the prices lately? Cannabis for legal and medical mass? It's not getting more competitive. It should be, but it's not. A lot of the medical prices have actually gone up. You know, so you have to question. It seems like, you know, when every place has the same price, it seems like price fixing. It seems like some price controls going on. But, you know, what I'm really excited about, we, you know, we, we've kind of started to address some BS. I know people want a lot of times to see the whole story. They want all the information. We're kind of jumping all over the place. But for people who have been following and have questions about some of the stuff that's been going on, the attacks against Shalene specifically, I wanted to kind of give you an idea of where we're coming from. We will have more information on this, guaranteed it. No question about it. But what I'm really excited about right now is kind of the changing regulations, is that there's been some proposals, and you can see that the Cannabis Control Commission is really thinking about how to control big cannabis and how to empower the little guy. You can see lately, you can see that they're focusing on that. And again, where does that come from? I would say it comes from the strong community that has come and testified over and over again. Uh, a lot of you've heard on the show, you know, I, I would say that we're part of that community. We're a big part of that, but the leader, the big person that everyone has to thank is Shalene title. That's why. She's brought them along. You know, when I'm happy mostly with Britta McBride now, who, who was with, you know, notice none of those folks attacked Britta McBride ever when she supported, uh, you know, the, the enforcement, you know, the added enforcement, but they attacked Shalene Title. And, but Britta McBride has come along. Like she, I think she's much better than she was. I, I think she's become aware and hip to what a lot of us have also figured out with this industry. I also want to mention, too, before we um, wrap it up, I know you probably want to mention some of the regulations, too. We've you know, gone over that in the last few days as well. You wrote a great piece as well, Grant. But Dan Adams also got attacked pretty heavily. And the attack on him is that he called Rev Clinics racist because he had some hard-hitting, fact-filled tweets against Rev Clinics about what they've done. About he did actions. not call them racist. No, he didn't, quote, call them racist but that's the allegation that's been pushed in him over and over again and i would call, again call that kind of a conspiracy theory because never once did he say they were the quote unquote they are racist uh what he did post was a lot of troubling uh facts related to revolutionary clinic questioning do they actually care about black lives they posted a black lives matter video it was very nice or a post that was very nice um was supportive of Black Lives Matter. For me, I'm looking at it, okay, that looks nice. That's a good thought. But with any corporation, when they put something like that out, any thinking person should say, do their actions reflect what they're putting out? And that's what Dan Adams did. And he just posted about all of the little things that Rev Clinics have done over the last year or two that show they actually don't care about Black Lives. So 
the same little cabal started calling Dan Adams and harassing Dan Adams. Dan Adams hasn't really responded, but I think it's kind of disgusting again, because, you know, Dan Adams has done good work. He, he actually was the one who called out revolutionary clinics uh, for some of the shady stuff that they did and pointed it out. And again, gee, I wonder why he's getting attacked. You know, well, it just, it's, it it's just anytime seems... you go up against the big, the big cannabis cartel, right? Well, it just seems like what you're saying, Mike, is that there are some people right now who are able to charge a ridiculously inflated price for inferior quality product because they have an artificial regulatory monopoly. In turn, the people like Shalene Title, her fellow commissioners, Dan Adams, yourself, and the grassroots community, in making so much progress towards allowing more competition, poses a direct threat to that potential behind-the-scenes monopoly, and it looks like they're coming out swinging. Yeah. But we're not taking it. I'm not taking it. You're not taking it. I hope this community is not going to take it. I don't think they will. I, I, I've been watching the community. The community has just mostly been silent and sending messages to us. Like, what is this crap? I just banned this guy. What is going on? Like, that's basically the community is almost smart enough. They're like, let's not even give them clicks or responses. Like, I've been the only one who's been responding, really, and calling them out. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Is that uh, true? And, and, and it's why perhaps this episode uh, we were able to address the facts we did not give these people the negative attention they so desperately crave in their attempt to poison the narrative to advance what could potentially be their own personal agendas. And in that way, I hope we've made it very clear to them that those kind of manipulative PR tactics have no effect on a grassroots community that is far too in tuned with, what, with the nuance of what's going on in this industry to fall for something like that. And in fact, that community has sent us a lot of information about revolutionary clinics uh, we've mentioned some of it, but I think it's time to put it in print, to put it in writing, to put it down on the page. And, you know, beyond the sexual assault issue, the thing that gets me is we know they're playing games with ownership. And so it's time to put that down on paper. And so people can really see what kind of operation Revolutionary Clinics is and what they what, what the readers actually think about it when they see the whole story in front of them laid out one piece at a time because it is an interesting look um you you you're aware of some of that i know grant right of what i'm speaking of i hear things from people a lot of people like to say they have friends in high places i like to say i have high friends in places and they share things with us whether it's consultants uh former employees we got a lot of information business owners a lot of business owners sharing stuff with us about the little letters they got from people. And we're going to show, you know, there's four vinings involved in that operation throughout its time. And who are these people? And you talked about the, about the real estate firm. I think it's time to really dive in. We'll see if Keith, maybe, maybe Keith will want to come on after we do that. What do you think? I'd certainly be looking forward to it. <laughs> We, we might have to play this video, too, before we get out. Yeah, we got to play the video. We got, so, again, this is Keith Cooper, right? I'm asking about the sexual assault allegations. I later on confirmed this is 100% true. Something happened at Rev Clinics in public with a drunk executive who had several incidents, two incidents at least. One incident, he got kicked out of a club 
he was setting up at. He was doing some merchandising at, at a party on 420. He got kicked out of it, Somerville, drunk, smoking weed in a bar. Soon after, he had an incident at a Sensi party in Boston. I have a, I have a picture of the actual incident. Uh, it, it's kind of a Taylor Swift-like moment. Remember when Taylor Swift got a picture taken of the guy grabbing her? In public, it's kind of one of those situations. Except this guy apparently was loaded. So that's what we have, and we have some information about, you know, his his messages to me about it. The perpetrator. We've talked to employees that work there. We talked to a manager that an assistant manager who quit when the alleged victim got fired. So we have a lot of information to share on this, and I've, I've said that over time. But it's going to come out. But the thing that I want to get to on this is that Keith Cooper denied it happened. And this little interview you'll see on the street when I ambushed him, he lied. He said it didn't happen. And that is a lie. And I know it's a lie because I have the alleged uh, person, the perpetrator, the executive who actually had the allegations against him, denying it actually ever happened. I don't believe him. I've talked to individuals that know a lot about this that were employed at revolutionary clinics during that period of time. I also know for a fact that Ryan, who is a partial owner of revolutionary clinics, we had an interesting conversation in person, one-on-one, and he admitted that there was a sexual incident and that the executive was fired. So why would one person that works at Rev Clinics and leadership lie about something like that and, and another owner tell us the truth? This is the funniest thing about all of this. So many times we're getting information from them, from them directly, that contradicts their past statements. And that's, again, uh, an issue that New England Treatment Access has when they change their statements. So let's play the clip where uh, Mr. Cooper, who won't come on this show, won't come and talk to the community, won't have a discussion with the community, won't answer for all these crazy past actions they've taken that Grant talked about the lawsuits, the lying to city council, the trying to stop the first in the nation equity period, lying about a sexual assault against a woman of color who they fired who was a young mother. Let's play the clip where uh, Keith Cooper lies to us and now won't come on our show and says that we're unfair. Are we unfair or are they unfair? Are they gaslighting us? 